Thank you, Kyle. Congratulations again. So Kyle did graduate from APU Seminary yesterday with his MDiv, so um, congratulations on that. There's, um, there is or was a cake out there, that um, cupcakes that you could have after service, or maybe you've had something in between. I know we have a couple other graduates. Dally, you graduated yesterday. Congratulations yesterday. And then Allie. Allie, you graduated yesterday too. Congratulations. Any other graduates out there that I miss? No? Good. Congratulations, you guys. It's really great. So um, before we jump into the sermon today, there's a couple of things I just want to um, just want to highlight. Uh, yes, uh, first of all, uh, Friday night and then a good portion of yesterday, there was a women's retreat here, and so I know a few of you were able to go, quite a few. We had over 40 that went, so um, I know Sue, Sue Mooney, you're out there. I just want to say thanks again. Thank you so much for all your work. So... Sue has an incredible heart for the women of this church, really everybody in this church, but she um, loves putting on uh, things like this for the women, so thank you for doing that. And then um, second thing, I just want to give my um, encouragement to grab a prayer card, one of the magnets that are out there. It's just going to be a name of a child or a student, um, and it just we just are starting a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, and we thought, what's a practical way to help us to pray more and to pray better, and this is one kind of practical way is just to grab one of those cards, put it on your refrigerator, and pray for that kid. Um, a cool story from the first uh, service is uh, Lynn Hartman, who's part of our church years ago, probably five years ago. It's crazy that it was five years ago. We did something like this for camp, and she grabbed Michaela McGarvey's um, name. She didn't know Michaela, didn't know who she was, but just started to pray for her and kept praying for her and praying for her. And then one day, Michaela helped with worship, and she was able to say, oh, that's the young girl I've been praying for. And then they built a little bit of a friendship and relationship. So, so just grab a prayer card, be praying for that student, and then be thinking about maybe, maybe you'd try to find this person, you know, kind of a sort of a secret agent thing to try and find out who this kid is that you were praying for. But there you go. So we're going to talk about prayer. So I don't know what it's like for you, but when I was in college or just out of college, I was in what we called an accountability group with some other guys. And typically, when we're in this group, one of the questions that would be asked every week or whatever is, how's your prayer life? And I would go, oh, and most of us in the group would go, oh, because it wasn't very good. We just didn't feel like we were measuring up to what our prayer life should be. It was difficult. We found it hard to find time. We, our minds wandered when we prayed. And most of the time, it was like, oh, I just don't feel like we do this very well. The other thing that can do when you ask this question, how's your prayer life? It can then separate prayer life from the rest of life. So it's kind of like, well, I got this thing done in the morning, I'm good, and then I don't have to think about it for the rest of the day. And we can do that even with what we call spiritual life too, right? We can say, hey, how's your spiritual life? We can say, well, my spiritual life's good, but the rest of the life, it has nothing to do with my spiritual life, which isn't true. Our spiritual life should be a part of our whole life as just our prayer life should be a part of everything that happens throughout our day and our week. And we can't really just separate that out. So I wanted to help us move from a um, how's your prayer life to having a lifestyle of prayer. What, what would it look like to have a lifestyle of prayer? That that's just something that is a naturally a part of who I am. That I go through my day and my week and my month and my year, I am a person that prays. It's just a part of who I am. 
So we are going to look at the Lord's Prayer, which is probably the best-known prayer. It's in Scripture at a couple of different places, and we'll look at it for the next six weeks or so after this. But a lot of what I'll kind of, some of the quotes I'll grab from, uh, for today's message comes from a man named Philip Yancey. He wrote a book on prayer, and this is one of the things he talks about in terms of why do we pray? He says, Jesus valued prayer enough to spend many hours at the task. If I had to answer the question, why pray, in one sentence, it would be, because Jesus did. He bridged the chasm between God and human beings while on earth. He became vulnerable just as we are vulnerable, rejected as we are rejected, and tested as we are tested. In every case, his response was prayer. Yeah. We pray because Jesus did. It was important for him to pray. If it's important for the Son of God to spend time in prayer, it should be important for us to do the same. And he taught about prayer a lot. There are a lot of places in the Sermon on the Mount and other places where Jesus teaches about prayer. But there are 25 times in the New Testament where we see Jesus actually praying. It's a pretty large number of places where it's like, yeah, Jesus prayed, Jesus did this. The first place we see this is um, recorded in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 22. Um, And it says this, it says, when all the people were being baptized... Jesus was baptized too. Okay, just time out there. A little plug for our baptisms that are coming up. A reason to be baptized is because Jesus was baptized, okay? So that's another reason to say, yeah, I've never done that. Maybe this is the next step in my spiritual walk here, but Jesus was baptized. Okay, now we're back in. Um, and And as Jesus was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. The first time we see Jesus praying, he's being baptized, it just says, as he prayed, heaven was opened up. Now notice, Jesus didn't come with a list of things he was asking for, he didn't do anything like that, it was just said that he was praying, and as he prayed, heaven was opened up, and he heard God the Father say, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. You know what, I think many of us probably need to hear that today from our Lord. That, that that could be the most important part of prayer for many of us, is to hear from our Father, you know what, you're my son, you're my daughter, with you I'm well pleased, and I love you. Because we go through life a lot of times not feeling that way. Feeling maybe a little beaten up and all that, but maybe that's the most important thing that could happen in our life of prayer, is just to hear God speak you know what, I am pleased with you, I love you, you're my son, you're my daughter. Um, There's lots of places Jesus prayed. One time he healed a leper, and as you might imagine, when Jesus healed a leper, his ministry kind of blew up, and a lot of people wanted to be around him and wanted to touch him and get parts of him and all that stuff like that. And so it says this, it says, uh, Jesus told the leper, hey, don't tell anybody about this, but said, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Did you catch that? Often, Jesus withdrew, got to a lonely place, and just prayed. He knew how important it was for him to spend time with his father. He knew how important it was to get away and just to kind of get refocused and get his heart at the right place, his heart connected with his father's heart. And so often he did this. Um, He did this just in the everyday part of life. There's a few places in Scripture where it says right before Jesus does a miracle, he just prays, and then God does some miracle when he's healing a uh, 
a man who's mute and deaf or when he's feeding 5,000. So just in the everyday parts of life, Jesus would stop and just pray. And so this is what it means, I believe, to have sort of this lifestyle of prayer. In fact, the thing that the disciples asked Jesus to do was to teach them to pray. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Again, it's common for him to do this. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Of all the things, right, that they could ask Jesus to do, it was teach us to pray. It wasn't teach us how to do miracles. It wasn't so much teach us more about understanding Scripture, that that may have been a part of their relationship. It was there was something they saw in Jesus, something in the way he lived his life, and they said, hey, just teach us to pray. It was something rabbis did because they had seen John the Baptist do this with his disciples, and so they asked Jesus, hey, teach us to pray. And I think what this is interesting is for me is that um, we can learn how to pray, right? If, if the phrase is, teach us to pray, that means you can learn how to pray. I don't think it's something that we naturally do very well, is knowing how to pray. And, but it's something we could get better at, that we can learn how to do this. Um, there's so much in our world that causes us to struggle in this area of prayer, I believe. And um, uh, Jennifer Kennedy Dean, who's an author and a speaker, talks about prayer fatigue, and that there's so much that keeps us from actually venturing into prayer, understanding prayer, or experiencing it. And there's a few things she says about how you do this, is that one of the difficult things about prayer is trying to find time in an already booked schedule, right? We feel like we've got so much on our plates right now that trying to find time to actually pray is just, there's no more room in here, right? It's kind of like, Lord, you know what? I've got, I've got my work, and I've got stuff at family, and I've got three Netflix series I'm watching, and I've got all this stuff in my life, and there just isn't any room to pray. Sorry about that. Okay. But we do. We feel like so, our lives are so full that we just can't pray. Sometimes we feel like our job in prayer is to convince God to do things that we want him to do. And we feel like that's just a hard thing to do is, okay, how can I convince God to do something that I don't think he wants to do that I think he should do? We think that that actually is prayer. And then one that I know I struggle with a lot is just that we struggle with our mind wandering. When we do actually sit down to pray and all of a sudden we're praying about something and then the next thing you know you're thinking about, I don't know what you could be thinking about, right? The Dodger game or this or that, but your mind has just gone someplace. You're like, how did this happen? But we struggle with this so much. And then one that's real, I think, is that we feel that prayer is having no effect and is just wasting time. Right? I think, honestly, we'd all have to say, you know what, there's times where I feel like that. I've prayed about this, and it just hasn't happened. I've prayed for that person to be healed, and they weren't. I've prayed about this situation to change, and it hasn't. I've prayed for God to provide in this way, and he hasn't. And we just feel like, ah, it's just kind of a waste of time. I mean, ultimately, Satan strives to keep us as Christians from praying. He does not want Christians to pray. He will do just about anything he can to keep us away from that relationship with God. And, and Satan hates to hear from a Christian, Lord, teach me to pray. In fact, let's just say that. Let's just say, Lord, teach me to pray together. Really? Here we go. Lord, teach me to pray. 
Can that, can that be your prayer at this time? Let's say it one more time. Lord, teach me to pray. And then what happens when a group of people gets excited about this? And the Lord is teaching us how to pray, right? How could that transform our church as we become a people of prayer and we're learning about this? So my hope is that you will continually through the week go before your Lord and just say, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to do this, how to have a relationship with you. Because here's what's true. First and foremost, uh, Prayer is about relationship. It's not about a list of things that I want God to do. It's not all this, but it really is about a relationship between myself and God. Here's what Yancey says. He says, the main purpose of prayer is not to make life easier or to gain magical powers, but to know God. I need God more than anything I might get from God. Isn't that a great statement? That I need a relationship with God. I need to know God more than anything he might give me. I just need to know him. And that's ultimately what prayer is. And we have many different levels of friendship and, and different relationships. There's some people we just have a casual relationship with, others that we know a little bit better, and then there's some that we know really, really well. And for guys, most of the time, our casual stuff it kind of revolves around sports and stuff like that, kind of, right? So it does. It's just honestly. So who wants to play golf with me today? I mean, right now, we're just pretending. We're not really going to go play. Okay? Tommy, what is your name? Kimberly. Okay, Kimberly, you're going to play. Tommy's going to play. I got room for one more in my foursome. Okay. Uh, Nancy, right? Okay. So the four of us are going to go play golf. And, and here's what happens. So those of you that don't go out to play golf, most of the time when guys go out to play golf, here's what, the, the conversation is something like this. It's mostly about, okay, did you see where my ball went? Okay? That's what happens. Most of the time, that's a lot of what the conversation is, is where did you see where my ball went? Or how far out am I? Or what club are you going to hit here? Or stuff like that, just kind of about the game. Once in a while... Typically, it'll, then the conversation will go, well, how are how the kids doing? What's going on in your family? How's your wife? How's your husband? Whatever's going on there. But, but it doesn't usually get much deeper than that on the golf course, to be really honest. It's kind of more of the surface level. Now, we all have friendships, though, where it gets a little bit deeper, right? And you start sharing a little bit more, maybe the, some of the struggles that are going on in life or things that you really need prayer for or whatever. So you got that level of friendship, too. But then there's that deeper level, too, right? And a lot of times, these are people that you've known for a long time. You may not see them very often, but when you do, it's like, man, let's just get to it. Here's what's really going on. Here's where I'm struggling. Here are the fears I'm dealing with right now. Here's what's really exciting going on in our lives right now. But, but let's just get to it, and we don't talk about like the, the frilly stuff sort of. So here's what I want you to think about, though. I think God wants to relate to us on all of those levels. Every level, even the frilly stuff a little bit, right? Again, this is what uh, Yancey says. He says, friendship with God encompasses each of these levels of communication. God cares about the ordinary and everyday as well as the peak experiences. I bring to God my failures and sins through confession and repentance, as well as my triumphs and joys, praise and thanksgiving. I bring to God my worries and concerns, petitions and intercessions. The very attempt to hide something from God is folly, for God knows all of who I am. 
that God wants to hear about just what's going on in life that maybe isn't earth-shattering. It just, this is what's happening, Lord. Help me and deal with this. And he also wants to deal with that deep stuff, those fears, those things that you're maybe holding on to that you're kind of, I don't know if I can share this with you. And the Lord's like, yes, you can. Share everything, every part of who you are with me. You see, prayer deepens my relationship with God. I am known by God, and I come to know God through prayer. He wants to know the everyday boring stuff going on, but he also wants to know those deep desires, fears, and hopes in my life. He's a dear, dear friend that wants to hear it all. So my hope for us, again, is that we would develop this kind of this lifestyle of prayer, that we wouldn't think of prayer as something that I just kind of, kind of sliver out a little part of my life to do, but it's something that would kind of in, be ingrained throughout my whole day and my life. Uh, the last Leancy quote is this, um, prayer as transactional rather than relationship can decline into a practice more duty than joy, an occasional and awkward exercise with little connection to life. If I just see prayer as something like, hey, it's just something to do and I'm just going to check these boxes off and I've got this list of things I'm going to pray for, then it becomes more just duty and I'm just kind of doing this as opposed to this joyful experience of relationship with God. And that really, really is what God wants us to experience. So like I said in the beginning, Jesus taught about prayer in a whole bunch of different places. One place he taught about it is in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at some, um, some scripture he teaches about that that then leads into what we call the Lord's Prayer. And this lead-in that Jesus teaches is really important for us to have the right attitude as we go into prayer. And I love the way Eugene Peterson has um, translated this section in Matthew chapter 6. So kind of read this, and it will help uh, lead us into the Lord's Prayer. Here's what um, Jesus says, and here's how Peterson translated it. He said, and when you come before the Lord, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Aren't those great words? Hey, it's not an act. Don't make it into a show. It's just between you and God. There's no competition here in who can pray better. This is just something naturally that should happen between you and your father. And you don't have to role play. You don't have to put on, hey, here's who I, you don't have to hide anything from God. Just come to him as yourself and say, this is who I am. He says here, there's great value in setting apart time to connect with the Lord in prayer. Get away, get by yourself, get to a place where you can be yourself totally before the God, Lord. 
There's also great value in gathering together and praying together as long as it's not a show, as long as you're not worried about, oh, my prayer wasn't very good or their prayer is better than mine. That's not what it's about. It's about that we pray together and connect. But then we ultimately want, again, to get to this place where we practice the presence of Jesus throughout our day and prayer is just something that naturally happens in our life as we go through our day. So as I've looked at this and some of the stuff Yancey said, I've come up with just three, I'm going to leave you with three words that hopefully will help you to develop a lifestyle prayer and, and as a way of thinking about how we can be people of prayer. And the first one is honest. Come to God as we are. Hey, Lord, this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what I've thought. This is my struggle. This is my joy. This is what I'm excited about. Oh, just be honest with who we are. Not feel like we have to put on some show or tidy up before him or whatever, but we come before him just as we are. The second word I would leave you with today is humble. That God is the creator. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And that is who he is. And again, we don't come with much before him, but we come humbly before him. Uh, Jesus told a story one time of a tax collector and a Pharisee who both went to pray. The Pharisee prayed, Lord, thank you that I'm so much, I'm not like all those other people, those other sinners, that I'm so good and I do all this good stuff for you, Lord. So good to be here. And the tax collector looked, fell on his knees and kind of said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, for I don't even deserve to be here before you. And Jesus said, you know whose prayers were really heard that day? It was the tax collector. Because he humbly came before his Lord and said, oh, have mercy on me. So be honest with who we are. Be humble, knowing that God is the creator. He's all-powerful. And then the last word is a hard one because we don't like it, but come to him helpless. We don't like to be helpless. We like to have everything together. We like to take care of ourselves. We like to have everything put together so we don't need help from anybody else. But, but this is a great word for us in terms of how we should come before the Lord. You say, Lord, I need you because I cannot do this on my own. I am helpless I'm in need of God's grace in my life. Prayer ultimately is a declaration of my dependence on God. I can't do it myself. In fact, I said this first service, I'm going to say it again because I don't think it's heretical. Let's see. But if there's something you can do on your own, don't ask, don't pray about it, don't ask God to do it. Does that make sense? If, I mean, if it's something you can do, if, if I don't know, I'm trying to think of a situation like, uh, well, if, if, you, if you can easily go forgive somebody who's done something, just go do it. You don't need to say, hey, Lord, give me. No, if you go, I can go do that, go do it. But if there's someone that you just cannot forgive and there's something in your heart that's holding on to this resentment and bitterness, bring that before the Lord. Say, Lord, I am helpless in this situation because I cannot do this on my own. I need you to change me so that I can then do this. But if you can do something on your own, I'm not sure there's reason to pray and ask God for help on it. 
Jack help me with that sometime. Maybe I'm the, Jack's the theologian in the group, but honest, humble, and helpless. So I hope you're ready to take a good look at yourself and discover what it means to have a lifestyle of prayer. Not just a prayer life or something we do in the mornings, but something that creates a lifestyle of prayer. And I hope that we're all willing to kind of open ourselves up to God and and with everything, with our questions and our disappointments and our joys, our sins, our needs and our hurts, and just say, God, I want to know you better. Teach me to pray. May that be our prayer this week. Lord, teach me to pray. And we are going to use the Lord's Prayer as a way of helping us to develop this lifestyle of prayer. And um, one thing I'd like us to do is to memorize this section of Scripture. And don't memorize it. A lot of us probably learned this prayer when we were kids. But don't learn it just so that we can just by rote say it again. But memorize it so that it, it kind of gets deeper into our heart and soul and that it draws us to a place of prayer with our Lord. So... Um, Angelica, if you can put it up there for us. So it's in the study guides. The study guides are out by the Welcome Center if you want to pick one of those up. Um, But this is the prayer that we'll be using. It's a little different maybe than what you learned as a kid, so um, all that. But um, let's let's end today, at least the sermon part today, by, um, by saying this together. And then I would encourage you to, over the next six weeks, to really try to memorize this. So let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We will. We'll break this down and look at it. And my, my guess is, and I, I know in my own life, that there will be times where a certain line of this prayer is really something I need that day. And maybe the next day it's something else that I'll be praying, but hopefully this prayer will become a part of us and a part of who we are. And um, we're going to take communion today like we usually do on the uh, first Sunday of the month. And um, as we take communion today, um, and as you come up and you grab the bread and you put it in the juice, my, um, my hope is this, that you will come today as you take communion with those three same words in mind. That you'll come honestly, you'll come humbly, and you'll come helplessly. That you will come before the Lord and say, Lord, this is who I am. With all my faults, my sins, my brokenness, I come honestly. I come humbly, Lord, because I know that you are a Lord. That I'm your creator, creation. And I come helplessly because it's only through your grace that I can experience forgiveness. It's only through the cross that I can know new life. So we come honestly, we come humbly, and we come helplessly today. So as the um, elders who are going to help serve communion come forward, let me pray for us. So Lord, it is our desire that we would um, come before you honestly, 
humbly and helplessly. And help us to experience your grace at this moment, to know your forgiveness, to know your great love, to know your mercy in our lives. Remind us of yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. So there'll be uh, three different stations, one here, one in the middle, and one over there. And, and whenever you are ready to uh, come forward, um, I would encourage you to come forward. For on the um, night that Jesus was betrayed, he was having a meal with his friends. And he, at the end of the meal, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup at the end and he poured it. And he said, this is the cup of the covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. Take and drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember me. We remember uh, what our Lord has done for us. And that's what this time is for. So it is a table that's open for everybody. It's open for all who desire to know and follow after Jesus. And I would just encourage you, when you're ready, to come uh, honestly, humbly, and helplessly to our Lord. So, whenever you'd like to come forward, please do.